0: everybody welcome back to the yes jess podcast a podcast created by me jess um i'm your host and your creator (laughs) pov god is talking to you um welcome to episode two thank you for all the feedback and for all the lovely comments and stuff um actually at the time of recording this i haven't even published the first episode i'm just assuming that my friends are giving me nice compliments um which if you're my friend and you haven't given me one yet how dare you anyway Thank you for listening to the first episode. It means a lot to me and I'm grateful that you're deciding to listen to the second episode. Um, If you could tell me why, that would be great. That sounds like... A joke but I'm being genuinely serious. Can you actually tell me why you're listening to the second episode so I know what I'm doing right? If you don't know me, I'm the host and I'm the creator of this podcast and this was something I created because I wanted people to feel like they had a safe space and a place where they could feel comfort and feel entertained and feel okay with themselves while still on that process of growing up and hopefully glowing up. And I think... To kind of sum up what I said in the first episode, so our first episode was about looking at your mistakes and kind of moving past them. That was a really important episode for me personally to make the first one because that's something that I struggle the most with. But I wanted that to be the first episode because I wanted to acknowledge that growing up is a really difficult thing so growing up and glowing up is a really difficult thing to do and while I want this podcast to be entertaining I didn't want it to just be only entertaining I wanted it to be multi-dimensional so so I really wanted to provide a sense of comfort for the listeners to provide some entertainment hopefully if you think this is entertaining but also just provide some comfort and I hope that the Yes Jess community can you know grow up together And I am very thankful if you're trying to grow up with me. So, on that note, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the journey, I guess. If you haven't noticed, I think I'm very funny and I will laugh at everything I say, Um, which I think is important. I think it's important to love yourself, to back yourself, and back your jokes. And I hope that you are well and that you are thriving. At the time of recording this, London is basically about to go into our second lockdown. Um, So, London is where I live, by the way. And You know, I hope that despite whatever is happening in the country that you're in, I hope that you're able to still keep safe and to keep thriving, or as much as you can thrive given these current circumstances. I hope you are keeping safe and well in these troubling times, as I've said countlessly in the numerous emails I've sent to people. And I hope that even if you're not doing so well, I hope that this podcast episode is able to take your mind off of the current situation for a little bit, or to provide you some comfort for the next 20 or so minutes, or however long my podcasts are. Um, Sis hasn't really edited the first one yet, but we'll see. Um, Speaking of seeing where things go, if you're extra interested and you've somehow found me just through Spotify or through Google Podcasts or something, um, we have social media. We are at Yes Jess Podcast on Instagram or you can just simply type in yes yes podcast into the search bar and it should bring you there um, I'm more active on my Instagram account and that is the platform that I would probably say I excel in I think to be honest I'd probably say that's one of the languages that I'm fluent in is Instagram um, so yeah come join us on there it is in my eyes it is a good time it's a fun time and and I think social media while it does have obviously its negative effects which I think we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, it does. It is a great platform for bringing people together and for creating this community. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode. This is the Yes Jazz yes podcast with episode two. Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? I'm being so chaotic. Female friendships are just solid. Like no one else is going to back you like that. Uh, it was really a real roller coaster for me. Do I live productively or happily? I don't know. When possible, make a U-turn. Talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show-stopping. We teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. They ask you how you are, and you just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine. Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. You're listening to Yes Jess. Since the fuck when did you become a therapist? That was like genuinely, you could do a fucking TED talk on this. That was was like, again, 10 out of 10 solid advice. If you have not listened to the podcast before and this is completely new to you, um, welcome to the podcast, first of all. And second of all, let me kind of explain how the podcast format is going to work. So each week we'll take a topic in turn, we'll explore it, we'll look at why it's relevant to our lives today, Is it important? Are there political aspects to it? Are there things about it that we haven't considered before? Talking about that. And then we'll go on to talk about my favorite things that I've been enjoying, a new organization that I think should be highlighted in my opinion, and also my track of the week. So these extra bits and the things that I'm enjoying are, they're obviously things that I enjoy, um, but I think the, the reason why I put them in is because I think they are relevant to the topic that we're talking about for that week or I think that they are things that have happened recently, or they are kind of like new releases, for example, that I think are culturally relevant, and I think we should be paying attention to if if kind of mainstream media isn't doing that for us. Um, and I guess also, besides the fact that I just enjoy these things, I think the reason why I share them a lot is to, in a way, allow yourself to broaden up your mind a little bit. Because I know that often on social media we'll see exactly the same things because the algorithm is tailored to what we enjoy but that being said i think it is interesting to hear about things that other people have been enjoying and to hear about why they might be culturally or politically significant that's not to say that everything i say is gospel and should be considered politically important and politically relevant but i think it is going to kind of open up your mind a little bit to the world outside of your own algorithm and i think having an open mind is quite a key thing to the podcast but also in how we approach life and i think having a and i think having an open mindset is quite key to self improvement and is something that i kind of i don't often want to push things on you but i think having an open mind is a key concept to a lot of growth and change in life um so that is the kind of format of the podcast today we are going to be talking about skincare Um, The reason why skincare is the second episode is because, one, I love skincare, two, I do believe that even though it can be considered a physical aspect of yourselves, I think we should be paying attention to how it affects our mental state, how it affects the way that we see the world, and how we think that it might influence other people who see us. So the main question that we're solving today is, are we self-obsessed if we care about how we look? And that is why we are exploring skincare today, and kind of the general hobbies to do with how we look. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's get to it. This is a disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's That's not not my my disclaimer. disclaimer. This is my disclaimer. All content on this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Any advice given is purely based on my own experience and should not be considered professional advice. Unless otherwise stated, all opinions, thoughts, jingles, audio, and graphics are my own. Please do not hold this podcast as gospel, even though I would love that, because this is just Headspace but run by someone underfunded and underqualified. Listener discretion is advised. Now, let's get back to the program, shall we? Okay, so skincare. I am so excited for this one episode. This is one of the topics I knew I wanted to talk about from the get-go. It's something that is so central to my personality. That does not mean that I have amazing skin. I think I have okay skin, but you know, some people are incredibly genetically hashtag blessed but I am just not one of those people and I have to work a little bit harder at my skin but the reason why I like skincare is because I think if you're using the right products you can see a lot of results and and I think skincare and the kind of skin that we have on our faces this definitely sounds like I'm a serial killer by the way I'm not um that is what a serial killer would say I digress so The reason why skincare is today's episode is because I believe that our skin and our faces are really, really important features to ourselves, not just only because they're so central to our personalities and they're so central to our histories, our ethnicities, what we've been through. I really think skincare is important because it really builds into our self-esteem and our confidence and how we feel. So I also chose this episode because I want people to be proud of their faces, whatever imperfections we may have and I say imperfections with like air quotes around them. We're born into a society where things like face fillers, really strong nose bridges, symmetrical faces and European standards of beauty are often the norm and the goal which frankly I kind of think is bull but I want you to be proud of the faces that you have and you know the shape of your nose, the shape of your eyes and I do think that skincare really ties in with becoming proud of your face and I don't necessarily mean that we all have to have crystal clear skin, while that may be a goal for lots of people and is a personal goal of mine. I just think we should all feel comfortable and confident in our skin. And you can argue that a lot of this comes mentally, but I do think that when you feel that you are putting your best face forward and you feel comfortable in the skin that you're in, I do believe it has massive benefits for you, for your mental health. So let me take you there with some of today's exploration. To give a quick disclaimer, besides the ones that you've already heard, this is not to say that you should be doing one thing and I'm not gonna hate on you for doing something that goes against what I say. Everything I'm saying today is based on my own experience as a skincare junkie and from being part of the skincare community for a really, really long time. The main people I have as my guides and my gurus and my idols and my holy people are James Welsh, Susan Yara, Hiram and Leah Yu on YouTube. Among others, I'll have all of their links on my Instagram. I trust and love them with my life. They've saved my skin and I really, really do not claim for any of this to be based to be dermatologist approved. And I really just want to emphasize that I am not qualified. I'm not a dermatologist, I'm not an esthetician. These are just things that I have found out from my own knowledge and facts that I have discovered from being part of this community. The skincare community will agree and disagree on different things. For example, whether fragrance is good in our products. This is solely just giving you my opinion. So when I say having a skincare routine or taking care of yourself, I don't necessarily mean that everybody has to have a 10-step routine or anything extravagant like that. I just mean the basic steps. So the basic steps, which I think a lot of people don't follow or don't pay attention to, but even three basic steps in your skincare routine can have a fundamental difference on the health of your skin. So the three steps that everyone in the skincare community generally agrees on as being essential to a routine, as in like, the bare backbone structure of your routine are a face cleanser, a face moisturizer, and a face sunscreen. The reason why I say face in front of all of those things is that often people aren't using the right cleansers for their face. They're using, I don't know, body washes for their face, which just doesn't have the right ingredients, doesn't have the right formulations in order to be effective for your face. And also sometimes the ingredients for our body just might not be suited for our face because our face skin is in general, more sensitive than the skin on our body. So those, so when I say having a skincare routine, I'm I'm mainly talking about those three steps. Personally, I have something like six to 10 steps depending on what the night is, but that is just me being a huge junkie. (laughs) today's episode is going to be broken down into three subcategories. So the first is going to be the kind of politics of skincare, the the way that we look at it, why I think it's important. The second section is going to be about ingredients and the third is going to be about sustainability in skincare or the skincare community. Let's start with the politics of skincare shall we? So as I've said before, I believe that skincare is one of the most incremental things to our routine that we just don't pay enough attention to. The same way we look at eating meals or taking showers or brushing our teeth. So, you know, if I use the eating example, we eat or we don't eat certain things because we know that they're gonna give us certain vitamins or vitamins. And the way that we understand with food, for example, that maybe sugar or too much sugar isn't gonna have good benefits for us, in that same way, It struck me as odd that people didn't look at what they were putting on their face, on the largest organ of our body, and they weren't paying attention to what they were putting on that organ. And I think when I accidentally ended up not taking care of my skin, that is actually where my fascination with the topic and my interest in skincare lay. I used to use really harsh, horrible products on my face, um, spot treatments with lots and lots of alcohol in it that basically just dried out my skin, scrubs that just completely ruined the surface of my skin that I thought was giving me smooth skin in the short term but in the long term had really long lasting effects that I'm still kind of paying for now. I think once I realized that I wasn't actually benefiting my skin and I was putting the wrong stuff on my skin and I had to research to find out what my skin would actually like and it was completely different from the little skincare information that I'd been told from fashion magazines. That's what sparked my interest in skincare. The more I was interested in skincare, and the more I found out about the products that were going into my skincare products, the more I kind of understood that there was this weird view in society, and I don't know if anybody else has come across this view before, that people who are interested in hobbies that are to do with how they look physically are deemed as being frivolous or conceited or self-obsessed, and I think that's quite a damning and quite a narrow-minded view of how people actually operate in the world you know, people who go to the gym, for example, while looking good might be a motivation. It was definitely a motivation for me when I was going to the gym. I don't think that it's giving people enough credit to say that that's their only motivation. It releases endorphins. It's, I think, probably the most important thing as well. It's healthy for you if you go to the gym and you get that cardio in. And the same thing with makeup, for example. If you're interested in makeup, that doesn't mean that you're any less intelligent or any more conceited than someone who is interested in films or television for example and I do think that it's really unfair that people are looked down on for being interested in all all of these interests and while today's episode might be more focused on the kind of physical aspects of glowing up I do believe that skincare and understanding the science of skincare is a really reputable field and is actually knowledge that we should appreciate and we shouldn't look down on besides everything that I've said about how, you know, it can make us look better and make us prouder to show our faces to the world, I don't want, I don't want us to ignore the fact that skincare definitely goes, definitely goes beyond how you look visually and has so many other benefits mentally. So when you find out about skincare products and skincare ingredients, like we'll go on to in today's episode, you start to understand the way that science and the way that skincare operate together with each other. So skincare, you know, people always forget that skincare is a science. Everything that goes into our skincare has been studied, researched, analyzed. You know, there are dermatologists that study for as long as doctors and the ingredients that they're putting in our skincare, these ingredients have been analyzed in order to understand how they work best in whatever kind of environment they work best. And that's the thing that I think people forget a lot of the time is that skincare is a science. So everything that goes into our skincare, all of the ingredients, all of all of the ingredients like hyaluronic acid, for example, they all have chemical properties, chemical bonds, bonds might not be the right word, but you know, what I mean like chemical structures um, that have been researched so people understand how they work best, what pH to use them best at, which ingredients they pair well with and Every single thing that goes into our skincare, you know, including water, has been analyzed. And in my eyes, if you're able to understand what your skin needs and how hyaluronic acid or how vitamin C might affect your skin differently, to be able to read what your skin needs, I see that as really being a good skill. Um, Again, I'm very pro skincare, obviously, as you can tell. But this is just me trying to kind of get across that point that just because today's episode is more focused on physical glowing up, We shouldn't reduce skincare to just looking good. We should be able to look at skincare as something that is fundamental to our lives, that is not something that we have to do just because we want to look good. It is just a way that you can take care of yourself, or it is something that I believe that we should do so that we can take care of ourselves. Um, And the second thing is that skincare has so many mental health benefits. For a lot of people, skincare, sorry, for a lot of people, self-care comes in different forms. For some people, it's watching a film for others it's making their favorite meal and for me personally and for a lot of people in the skincare community skincare and doing our skincare routines is our form of taking care of our mental health I think I'm just really lucky that it's something that I'm able to do every single day so I've definitely noticed an increase in my mental health since you know being interested in skincare and and earlier this year when we were in lockdown and I was kind of going through when I was going through it um I used to find that doing my skincare routine, those two times throughout the day, those were the only two constants in my life and the only kind of stability that I could give myself. So to me, during lockdown especially, my skincare routine was a really, really fundamental part of me surviving lockdown, if that makes sense. And I used to do my skincare routine not because I knew that it would make my skin better and healthier, but more so because that was the only way I could tell myself that I was trying to take care of myself skincare has a lot of benefits mentally and physically and even if you are only interested in skincare for the physical aspects of it there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to look good it makes me really sad that when people are interested in in looking good and in putting their best face forward people are seen as being conceited or people are seen as or people judge them and think that that's the only thing that they're interested in, when actually people can be, people can be, people are so much more multi-dimensional than that. And I think a final point to note about the importance of skincare, besides physical, besides that physical glow up and besides that emotional glow up, is that people forget that there are certain things to do with our skincare, like dry skin, for example, that actually when your skin is really dry, it really hurts, and for me, I don't have dry skin. I have really oily skin. But when I have acne, I don't know if anybody else gets um, kind of hormonal chin acne. But when I get that, that really, really hurts. And whatever you can do to relieve that pain, I don't see that as being a bad thing. I really completely opposite. I really think, I think we should really encourage people to deal with the issues that they're facing whether that is mental physical emotional or whatever I think we should always encourage people to deal with those things in healthy ways and if skincare is that way for you then I think that's a really great thing and I definitely feel like we shouldn't be negating the importance of skincare even if it is a three-step routine or a 10-step routine I think no matter how intense or no matter how um, extensive your skincare routine is I think that you're still able to get all of these good benefits as long as you're using the right products. And you know, with hobbies that have certain physical benefits that, I don't know, give you more toned arms or make you look better, give you a sense of style, as long as you are pursuing these interests with a healthy mind and with a healthy attitude, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to look good. And I think that we should all encourage each other to put our best faces forward and to be interested in the things that we're interested in without fear of social judgment. Okay, so I think before we get into the kind of ingredients of skincare, I think we should talk about the kind of basics of skincare. As I said before, the people to watch and the people to really listen to in terms of the kind of science of skincare and the ingredients are not me. Um, they are the people that I have mentioned in my intro and on my Instagram. Go check out their channels, they're amazing. I am just sort of here to kind of push you in that right direction and to talk about why I think skincare is important. So I guess the first step obviously is to identify what kind of skin you have. When I say what kind of skin, I mean, do you have normal, combo, oily, sensitive? Um, And from there, you can work out what products would be good for you and what products you need. For example, there are some ingredients like hyaluronic acid, for example, which is an ingredient that can hold four times its body weight that might be really, really good for people who have dry skin. That's not to say that it's bad for people who have oily skin. If anything, it might be able to reduce oil production. But in order to understand what types of products work best for you, it's important to understand what you're working with in the first place. I think once you've worked out your skin type is then when you are kind of able to identify which ingredients might be good for you, which is kind of the bulk of today's topic. So the reason why I wanted to talk about skincare is because, I mean obviously all the political aspects of it that we've already discussed, but I just felt like there wasn't enough understanding of what ingredients were in our skincare. And I thought that that was really central to the way that we look at skincare. and. We read the back of skincare bottles and stuff and we see ingredients like hyaluronic acid, glycerin, sodium sodium hyaluronate, I've definitely pronounced that wrong, (laughs) Um, ceramides, niacinamide, we see all of these things and we don't understand what they are but we, or at least I used to think that, as long as it sounds scientific and cool, let's use it. why not? What's the harm? But I've come to understand that there are certain things like sodium lauryl sulfate, for example, that probably sounds like all of the other ingredients I mentioned before that maybe just aren't so good for your skin, depending on the kind of skin that you have. Um, So I'm going to give you now a rundown of good ingredients that I think people should be looking for. Again, not going to force you to look for them, but these are just the ones that I love. So first up, we have niacinamide. Niacinamide is like the queen bee, the Beyonce of skincare ingredients. Mm, When I say the Beyonce, I feel like it'd be someone more underrated or someone more like an underdog, like maybe the Kelly Rowland, who's amazing, but not enough people in the mainstream appreciate her. But once you know your music, you know Kelly Rowland's a good one. So niacinamide, as far as I'm aware, is a derivative of vitamin B3, Unless my research has completely let me down. Um, And it's good for things like rosacea, acne, um, post-inflammatory, hyperpigmentation. Um, So basically when you get those dark spots after you get a spot, which um, is something that more melanated people tend to get. Um, and niacinamide is really good for that because it is a hydrating product, it's anti-inflammatory, it can help reduce oil production. So personally, I think it's great for oily skin types. Um, and it can also increase ceramides within your skin. So that leads me nicely onto ceramides. I love ceramides especially because I have ruined my skin barrier before and if you don't know what your skin barrier is, a skin barrier is basically the upper layers of your skin that form a barrier that kind of protect it from the outside harsh environments, harsh um, chemicals, I don't know, dirt maybe. So a good skin barrier will basically help you with things like um, skin sensitivity. So my skin gets, my skin is already quite sensitive but when my skin barrier is weakened I can really feel that. I get more red, I get more rosacea, I get more breakouts in my cheeks so ceramides are an ingredient that I love Um, they help increase skin hydration, they reduce inflammation um, and they're also just a really good ingredient for strengthening your skin and personally I found that when I strengthen my skin or I take steps to strengthen my skin all of my other issues such as hyperpigmentation or um, hydration or acne forming tends to reduce um, or tends to decrease so that's why i love ceramides the next one we have is snail mucin or snail mucus however people say it this sounds like it's a scary weird diy type thing and we'll go on to talk about diy products in a little bit but snail mucin or mucus whatever you want to call it is one of the coolest most innovative things i've seen in skincare and that's again one of the reasons why i'm such a fan of skincare is that it is so cool and so innovative you know people people scientists are constantly finding new chemicals new ingredients that can benefit our skin and you know who would have thought to look at snails in order to improve our skin condition so snail mucin is great it is hydrating it's antibacterial so it's going to help with you know wounds that you maybe have so even you know open acne can benefit from using snail mucus it also helps reduce inflammation Um, and i've personally found that snail mucus is one of the best ingredients for me for my hyperpigmentation so i try and put snail mucus in literally everything um that's not to say that you should go and you know find snails in your back garden and put them on your face you should definitely make sure that they have been um specifically formulated by a dermatologist or by a scientist or some sort of skincare brand in order to get the benefits into your skincare routine and not just get snail secretion on your face. Um, That's the thing with a lot of skincare is that you can find a lot of, you know, quote unquote, natural skincare um, in our kitchens, in our back gardens. But the thing is, is that, you know, when you have something like snail mucus, for example, when that product has been specially formulated in a lab, um laboratory laboratory however you want to say it it means that the properties that are in that ingredient have been increased and you know mixed with other ingredients to make it perform at its highest potential all of these ingredients have been researched and identified and studied for years everything even water has been researched into how the ph of water affects our skin how much water we should put in our skincare products all of these things we will delve into um diy skincare in a little bit i am just getting a bit carried away but that is just a side note that i wanted to mention our next ingredient are vitamin c and vitamin e so vitamin c i think you might know it mostly to do with oranges Um, So vitamin C is an antioxidant, as you know, you get in oranges, it can help reduce inflammation, you can increase hydration, and you can apparently also reduce blood vessel dilation. I don't know the science behind that, but that's something I've read and I will tell you about. Um, So vitamin C is often used by people who are looking to increase brightness in their skin tone, and also reduce hyperpigmentation. I think a lot of the ingredients that I'm going to be talking about today are just to do with hyperpigmentation, just because that is something I struggle the most with, so that is something that I am the most well-researched on. Um, But you know, vitamin C is used by lots of people who don't have hyperpigmentation, or who don't have post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So, you know, vitamin C is really good for brightening your skin tone, for kind of giving you that glow. And, you know, our philosophy here is all about glowing up. So, I don't think vitamin C is a bad ingredient at all. Um, It's not one that I personally can use. I get slightly irritated by, I mean, not me personally, but my skin gets slightly irritated by um, vitamin Cs. So, I personally can't use that. So, just, you know, something to bear in mind. Vitamin E, however, I love and I can use. So vitamin E or vitamin E, I actually don't know how people want to say it, um, can help reduce inflammation, is an antioxidant, is very hydrating and can help soothe your skin. So you'll often see it in products that are to do with focusing on rosacea, which is also another problem I have. Look at me, just talking about all of my problems and exposing myself. Rosacea, by the way, is a skin condition that basically affects your face, basically makes it red, Um, you have more visible blood vessels in your face, and sometimes you can get like small bumps. Um, Sometimes they go away, sometimes they don't. It kind of just depends on the severity of your rosacea and what affects your rosacea. So certain foods like spicy foods can increase the visibility of your rosacea, for example. Um, So it's nice that we have topical skincare ingredients that can help deal with these issues. The next ingredient I'm gonna talk about is salicylic acid. I love salicylic acid. Like, salicylic acid for me would be like the Damien of me girls. Super lovable, super fun. But also, I think salicylic acid is like, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Salicylic acid is like the YouTube of social medias, so, entertaining, does what it needs to do, has a plethora of amazing functions and amazing aspects to it, and does the job for whatever you need. That's why I feel like YouTube is, like, YouTube is such an entertaining platform but it can also be a really educational platform if you're, you know, looking at TED videos or if anybody ever used YouTube to watch, like, maths tutorials and how to, you know, how to understand Pythagoras' theorem or something. Um, and YouTube is also an informative space, it's actually where I watch the majority of my news. So I you know, watch Sky News and BBC News but I always watch the highlights on YouTube. Um, as well as obviously like in other forms. And that's what I say salicylic acid is. It's like the YouTube of social medias, you know, strong, reliable, does what it needs to do, and is always there for you. Because I actually feel like YouTube can also be a really comforting place. I wouldn't say salicylic acid is as bizarre as YouTube can be. um, Which is probably a good thing. (laughs) So that's just a rundown of some of my favourite ingredients. There are obviously loads of other ingredients. Like green tea for example. um, Or tea tree that can be great for certain skin types. Um, It's just personally not one of my favourites. But again that doesn't mean it's bad at all. Now that we have kind of delved into the different kind of skincare things let's talk about formulation because i feel like often we see products that have things like green tea extract or you know vitamin c for example or they'll be you know they'll be marketed as one thing but when you read the back of the ingredients package green tea for example will be the last ingredient on the list some ingredients might be great if we're going to stick with green tea for now green tea might be an amazing product for you but if you're finding it and you're using it in products where the formulation doesn't use very much green tea and it uses more of things like glycerin for actually glycerin is a good one Um, basically just ingredients that aren't good for your skin type personally that's not really going to work for you so in order to talk about formulation I'm going to teach you how to read the ingredients list it's very simple read it. Um, you read it the exact same way that you would read ingredients on the back of food items. The product that's listed first is the one that is used the most, and it goes from the order of the most used to the least used. So quite simple actually. But I think understanding the order of a, of an ingredients list is useful because, you know, for example, if there's things like alcohol in your skincare, if we're talking pure alcohol and not, you know, denatured alcohol, um, what position is it in? Because You basically want to find out if it's doing what it's supposed to do and what it's formulated to do, or is it just drying out your skin? So arguably, if you have alcohol in a spot treatment, for example, that might not be the most horrible thing for your skin. I think in general, alcohol isn't amazing for your skin, but I feel like if it's used in a spot treatment, you know, it does what it's supposed to do. It will dry out that spot. But if you're looking at things like if you're looking at things like serums, for example, and you see that alcohol is the second ingredient or the first ingredient even, you're gonna be you know wondering is the alcohol in that skincare product reducing my oil production or is it just drying out my skin? Um, and I think that's something that is good to know, especially in the long run, because if you are using a product that has lots of alcohol in it, in the short term you might think this is great, this is reducing my oil production, but in the long run it could actually be producing more oil. So the reason why I think reading reading ingredients lists are important is because it's exactly the same with how we eat. When we eat, we look for things, we look for ingredients in our food items that we know are going to be good for us. So things like sugar, for example, is fine in small doses, but if we have sugar in high concentrations, it might, you know, do its job if we just want a little bit of a sugar rush, but... Over time, it might cause us to have lots of sugar spikes, it might cause us to have some cavities, and in general, it's just not giving us the nutrients that we need for our body. And it's exactly the same thing with skincare. speaking of bad ingredients, let's talk about DIY products. If you are DIYing your skincare, this does not necessarily mean that it's bad for you, but it's just not great for you. Can you hear (laughs) the repulsion in my voice as I'm talking about DIY skincare. Um, So the reason why I'm so turned off, I guess, by DIY skincare is that it has a weird reputation among a lot of people because they think it's better than drugstore skincare or, you know, actual skincare in bottles that we buy. Um, Whereas DIY skincare doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be cleaner for you or that it's going to be better for you Um, it could actually end up being harsher and worse for your skin so things like you know face scrubs for example if you're someone who likes to use a physical face scrub um if you're making your own you know walnut or coffee scrub that might be a little bit too harsh and too abrasive for you i'm not personally a fan of scrubs but that is just one example and there are certain diy scrubs that people advocate so you know like lemon sugar diy scrubs or something rubbing a raw lemon on your face is definitely not gonna be good for you i mean it tastes sour and harsh and horrible just imagine what that is doing for your skin if you're putting something that is harsh and stingy on your skin but it does really baffle me because i'm just like how can you not see that this ingredient will not be that good for your skin and I think a lot of people who do use DIY products probably have completely fine skin or have you know quite resilient skin which is why they don't experience the harshness or the negative effects of a product but you know if you're using a lemon scrub every single week for someone like me I have really sensitive skin that will completely destroy my skin barrier you know and as I said before DIY does not necessarily mean it's bad if you had like a honey mask for example I don't think that that would be horrible again I'm not an expert but I don't think that would be horrible for you but I'm just saying that I think you know if you were to find a honey mask that has been formulated in a lab and has been mixed in with other ingredients like niacinamide or vitamin E or something I think that would probably be a little bit better for you than rubbing raw honey on your face and there are certain ingredients that we've almost been indoctrinated to believe are good and are bad so for example we see things like walnut scrubs um not naming any names but you know we see walnut scrubs sometimes and we hear that what they're supposed to be good for us but as someone who used apricot scrub ugh, for two years there's so many things that are wrong with my past self but i think using an apricot scrub is one of my biggest flaws from my past self um You know we've been indoctrinated to believe that these things are good for us because they're gonna you know scrub away the dead skin cells and they are going to do that but they're also going to scrub away at a bunch of other things when we see on packaging when it says silicon free or non-toxic or something but there's no way that a skincare product that is toxic would have been approved by the fda and would be on our supermarket shelves there's absolutely no way that something toxic like that would be put on our shelves, um, you know, unless we're talking about medicine, for example, which can be toxic in large doses. And, you know, we see things like silicon-free, whereas silicon, or silicone, however you wanna say it, is not necessarily a bad ingredient. You know, it's used in a lot of skincare because it has that sort of smoothing, nice property about it. But I know that, you know, Clinique, for example, their ultra-hydrating moisturizer, which is something I used to use, um, has dimethicone in it, which is silicon. Um, so just because you see packaging that says silicon-free doesn't necessarily mean that silicons or silicones are a bad thing. To sum up, I do think it's well worth understanding how the ingredients work and what is going on your face. Um, so that even if you are, you know, only having three steps or even if you're only having one step, Um, But really, you should actually be having three steps. If you're only having three steps, for example, you know that the products that you're putting on your skin aren't going to damage it more. And this way, you know that even if you do have a three step skincare routine, maybe you can and it's not working for you. Maybe you maybe that will be to do with the products that are already in your skincare or maybe there's a product or an ingredient that is missing from your skincare. So I think doing your research into the ingredients is well worth it. I'm not saying that you have to understand every single ingredient and the way that all of the ingredients work. I read the back of my ingredients packages and I don't understand half of them, but I can understand and look for the ones that I know are good for my skin and the ones that I know will make my skin break out. Obviously, sometimes I still get it wrong. That's life, we get shit wrong. But I think this is a good, I think doing your research is a good first step to getting things wrong, Less often, which is, I guess, the goal. <laughs> In the final section of today's podcast, we are going to talk about sustainability and, I guess, sort of ethicalness of skincare. I wasn't really sure what to call this segment, but you'll see what I mean when we go into the topics. So, I guess one of the first things I want to talk about with skincare is besides the ingredients and besides the kind of political aspects of skincare, I did want to touch on the idea of where we are putting our money when it comes to skincare. Because skincare products can be expensive and they can also be not very expensive. That was the most generic statement I've ever said in my life. Actually, I've probably said something more generic than that, but you know what I mean. So there are some brands like Estee Lauder, for example. That I think everyone can agree is quite a high price range. Um, Wouldn't it be the dream if I could say Estee Lauder was not a high price range? That would be the dream. Please help me get rich enough so that I can say that Estee Lauder is like peasant money to me. (laughs) Um, Anyway, there are some skincare brands that are a lot bigger and price their products a lot higher. And there's also a lot of skincare products, sorry, skincare brands, they price their products a lot lower, but obviously reach a wider market. And I guess the reason why I'm asking you to look at, you know, different skincare brands is that bigger brands don't necessarily equate to better products. Um, That's not to say that they're bad. You know, Estee Lauder is a, a great brand. You know, there's a reason why people are so loyal to them. But, you know, if I had the choice between Estee Lauder, Face Cream and CeraVe Face Cream, which CeraVe is a drugstore skincare brand, I would probably pick CeraVe, just because I know that this is a product that has been well-researched and it has had dermatologist testing, dermatologist research, dermatologist backing. So I personally just trust that brand more. But that's also, (laughs) but here's another twist, um, drugstore brands, something to be aware of is that they don't always tailor themselves to all skincare types which i think it would be i think it would be very um idealistic of us to expect you know one drugstore brand to adhere to all skin types CeraVe v is actually a really good one for adhering to most skin types but if we're looking at another one like simple skincare which is a brand i used to love um their main demographic are people who i guess need simple skincare or who have sensitive skin so i think you know, that's something to look Just because you've also heard that a drugstore brand is good does not necessarily mean that it will tailor to your skincare. And also, just on a side note, men do not have to use men tailored products. Um, just because it says Nivea for men doesn't mean that you can only use that product. The thing about skincare is that it's unisex. So my brother and I share skincare products. We share, We share products, we test them out together. It doesn't make him any more effeminate to use a skincare product that his sister has used and it doesn't make me any more masculine to use a product that my brother has used. Skincare doesn't, I mean, mean skincare doesn't have a gender, it's just marketing that people have created to, to to kind of, to tailor to the different genders. Things like Nivea for men or shavers for women, that's all just a massive marketing ploy because shavers at the end of the day are exactly the same. A moisturizer is exactly the same. I think the only difference to my knowledge of um of a product being only suited to one only being suited for one gender is potentially aftershave, and that is probably only just because the majority of people who identify as male are the ones who are going to be using aftershave, but I'm sure if you had someone who identifies as female and they shave their face, as, you know, actually a fair amount of women do, don't get it twisted, we have facial hair too. I'm sure we could use aftershave, but again, I'm not, a you know, I'm not an expert. But what I, my main point is, there's no such thing as gendered skincare. I think skincare is neutral. You know, skincare is skincare. But something else to look at with big skincare brands as well, is that, I guess the same with fast fashion, You I think you just want to, Be able to understand where your money is going towards. Um, So as I said before in my example of Estee Lauder versus CeraVe, I prefer CeraVe not only for its ingredients but also because I trust the brand, I believe in the brand, I believe in their ethos of producing good, safe skincare. It's the same with clothing and with skincare, I personally choose to support brands that have an ethos that I align myself with or that I believe in. And you know, there are certain skincare brands and makeup brands as well, where they test on animals. Maybe that is an issue to you, maybe it isn't an issue to you. These are all just things to bear in mind, obviously, about where you are putting your money. So do you want to support a big corporation, which is totally fine if that is a corporation that you believe in and it works for you and you trust this big corporation. You know, CeraVe is a huge operation. They're a huge skincare brand, but I trust them. I believe in them. Go CeraVe. Um, so, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Or do you want to support, you know, smaller brands, um, maybe some black owned skincare brands, brands that are more locally owned, that, um, that have some sort of fair trade deal with other countries. Um, these are just all things to bear in mind. And, you know, there are also some great sustainable skincare brands. For example, Crave Beauty, which is one of my favorite brands and Hughes, um skincare brand. Part of the proceeds from their Great Barrier Relief Serum goes towards the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, which I think is great. And it makes me feel like when I'm buying it and I'm you know, coming out of my pocket to support her and her skincare brand, it makes me feel a lot better that I am also supporting the environment, or I guess not supporting the environment, but contributing towards a good and sustainable environment. And I guess that kind of leads me on to my next point of where are you buying your skincare products from? So this isn't even just brands, but this is, you know, what shop are you buying them from? Because, you know, good and innovative ingredients and good cool formulations might not always be in your local drugstore. That's not to say that Boots, um, so Boots is a drugstore in the UK. That's not to say that Boots is... Bad at all, but you know there are brands like First Aid Beauty, for example, which is a really cool brand and do really cool, innovative products um, that you might not be able to get from Boots, and you might have to look online somewhere. Um, and if you're looking online, <laughs> I know I'm giving you a lot of things to think about. But if you're looking online, where are you buying from? Are you buying from Look Fantastic? Are you buying from Yes Style? Are you buying from Amazon? And I think everyone knows that Amazon is a huge corporation, and it is a a corporation that I will commend them on their ability to provide fast service and provide a multitude of things. Um, But Amazon for beauty products or for skincare products isn't necessarily the best. While it may be the most convenient, it's not necessarily the best in terms of quality and in terms of who is getting the money. Um, I mean, we all know that Jeff Bezos is a billionaire. So my question is, is just whether or not you really want to be supporting that or him. so yeah things like that and I guess my final point which kind of touches briefly on the ingredients thing that I was talking about earlier is that there are some ingredients in your skincare like polyethylene for example so polyethylene is plastic and it's used in a lot of makeup cleansing balms and it's quite a popular ingredient with this but I guess there's a lot of people in the skincare community who don't know if they want to use polyethylene in their makeup products or in their skincare products and you know and they they don't know if they want to put plastic on their face and then down the drains there is a kind of counter argument that arguably the amount of plastic that is in our makeup bombs isn't going to be as much as the plastic that we throw away with plastic cups and you know the fast fashion industry and sweatshops and the cotton industry things like that there's an art counter argument for not caring about polyethylene in our skincare products but if this is something that does bother you if this is something that would make you feel consciously a little bit better to know that you that you're not contributing more to damaging the environment then i think that's something that you are allowed to be aware of and you're allowed to avoid if it makes you upset um and i personally believe that for me it's an ingredient that i am able to avoid using quite easily and I feel a lot better that I'm trying to reduce my pollution rates um, on the environment in little ways. Um, so not using polyethylene in my skincare does make me feel a little bit better. Maybe this is just you know an ego boost for myself or something, but this is something that doesn't make me feel better. So I think these are all just things to just think about when you are buying your skincare products or researching your skincare products. That's not to say that you know if you, Do use polyethylene, for example, in your skincare brands, that you are a horrible person and that you're a polluter and that you don't care about the environment. That's not to say, like, I'm not saying that at all. Um, These are just things that people can choose to be aware of if they want to and can choose to avoid if they want to. It's the same way that there are, I think everybody knows that, you know, using single use plastic is bad, but that doesn't necessarily stop everyone from doing it. So I'm just trying to give you some of that advice, some of those things to think about and to hopefully help you glow up a little bit more. I like to end my segments by saying glow up because it makes me happy to think that I will be glowing up and you will be glowing up. (laughs) These are things that Jess has been loving. Oh my God, I literally cannot with this. Finally, for things that I have been loving this week, we have the YouTube channel, Psych2Go. So psych, the number two, and then go. So this is a weekly YouTube channel that posts videos every Sunday, I believe, on kind of practical psychology tips that help you understand certain things about yourself. It's not a diagnosis channel. They're not diagnosing you if you have depression or anything. I'm just gonna read out some of the most interesting titles um, that I think people can relate to and that people will find interesting. So, 7 signs you have a real friend, 7 things confident people don't do, 8 signs you don't trust yourself, 9 things social anxiety makes us do, why do we feel lonely, 10 signs of being a toxic person. I think it's a really cool concept to provide psychology videos online and in And in a really unscary format so they basically have all these videos that i think pertain to a lot of different people but the way that these videos are produced they have like really cute graphics loads of captions um loads of animations and I think the way that they present all of these issues that may be scary for a lot of people, they present them in a really lovely and sweet way that is approachable. And to be honest, it's actually made me want to explore about different people and how they operate because they talk a lot about, you know, different disorders that maybe we don't hear about as often in, in mainstream media. And I think these are also videos that pertain to people even if you don't have mental health issues or a diagnosed mental health issue. So things like lacking confidence, having fake friends, they're not recognized psychological disorders, but they are things that affect a lot of people and they present them in a way that um, combines psychology with social awareness. And I think that that is a really useful tool and a really helpful tool for a lot of people. Um... I also, on a side note, they have something, they have these videos that are for highly sensitive people. And I actually didn't know that that existed before I watched their videos. I always knew that I was very sensitive. I kind of always thought that it was, I kind of always thought that it was a flaw that I had to change. And I was just struggling to change it throughout most of my life. Um, but actually it's really cool to know that it is something that I guess something that I can't change, but also something that a lot of people relate to because I always thought that I was just so emotional and not even that I was told by a lot of people that I am too emotional, which I don't know if you can hear the resentment in my voice, but it's nice to know that this isn't It isn't some sort of flaw within me. It is just a fact about me that I am a highly sensitive person. So I would definitely recommend them. If you type in Psych2Go in the YouTube search bar, you should be able to find them. But as always, everything will be linked in my Instagram if you cannot find it. (music) Just like we did last week when I spoke about Lee Merritt and the Grassroots Law Project, I would now like to take this little segment of the podcast to talk about another organization or another group of people, I know they more or less mean the same thing, but um, another group of people who I believe are doing really good things to better our world in little ways. And If you want to find out more about Lee Merritt and the Grassroots Law Project, you can head over to our Instagram at yesjesspodcast and you can find all of his links there. Um, It will all hopefully be quite clear. Once you go to our page, Um, so the organisation that I want to talk about today is one you might have heard of if you go to university in the UK. So this is a company um, or a charity called Teas of Solidarity, and you can find them on Instagram at Solidarity. Um, The reason why I've said Solidarity weird is because their name is spelt like the word Solidarity, but if you remove the Y and add two E's to the end of it, so Solidarity. I've explained that so badly. Um, go to our Instagram and you'll see you'll see all of their links there that will be able to explain it better than I can currently. Um what I am gonna do now is is hopefully try to explain it to an adequate degree. I did do an English degree, but we'll see if I can do this now. So what Teaser Solidarity is is a charity, a student-led charity which helps asylum seekers during the refugee crisis. And so what they do is they make t-shirts and tote bags that are ethically and sustainably made and they sell them and the revenue that they receive, they put the profits that they receive from their revenue towards grants given to NGOs, so non-government organizations that help um, refugees. So at the time of recording this podcast, they've released their 2020... Slash 2021 range. Um, it's 100% organic and sustainably made, it's printed using vegan inks, it is vegan approved if that is lifestyle that you live by, which I think even if you're not vegan, I think you know trying to buy as many things that are vegan and kind of don't contribute to the pollution of the planet is a good thing. And I think that's something that they also stand by as well with Solidarity. They say that this is from the website. Um, we can't fight for a better world without respecting the earth we live in. And I think that's a really great sentiment to live by. Um, not sentiment, like philosophy to live by. Yes, Jess podcast is just going to give you all of these million thousand philosophies to live by. And, and, you know, if your life is falling apart, at least a live, laugh, love quote will help put a bandaid right on that. Okay. Um, the range that they've just released is to help asylum seekers in Thessaloniki. I hope I've pronounced that right. Um, And so each T-shirt, depending on the style that you get, is between about 10 to 12 pounds. And so what happens is more than seven pounds 50 from each T-shirt goes towards funding these non-government organizations to help provide legal aid and other vital services. So one t-shirt that you purchase can fund accommodation and food for two volunteer translators for one day. So one volunteer translator can help 30 to 40 asylum seekers in a day. So by buying one t-shirt you can help translators help between 60 to 80 asylum seekers a day which I think is not a bad way to spend your money at all. They've released their 2020 shirt design and the way that they made this shirt was during an art workshop and so what the asylum seekers did during this workshop was they kind of traced the outline of each other, and they the outline and the kind of pattern that that created as a result is supposed to reflect the constellation of diversity, individuality, and community. I feel like you can tell when I'm reading from the website, um. So hopefully that should make it clearer for you that I'm not just making this up. This is from what they've said. And as of 2020, more than 20,000 solidarity t-shirts have been sold. So remember this company was founded in 2017, which is a huge, huge accomplishment for a student run charity. I think is a super admirable and a very, um, and a very distinguished accomplishment to have. As you can tell, I have massive respect for these people. I have, I've just purchased one of the t-shirts from their 2020 range. Delivery was really quick, actually. It was, I think it took about four days and I was impressed. The quality of the t-shirt is really nice. It's really soft. I feel really content when I wear it because I know that it's ethically and sustainably made. You know, and I think it's nice to know that the money that I am putting towards buying a new item of clothing for myself is going towards helping people who need it. I think, you know, this section of the podcast is arguably where I am the most political, I'd say. Um, I know that if you listened to my old radio show, What Would Jay and Jess Do?, that was all very much focused on politics and I've always been known to be outspoken and I guess in, you know, quite political in air quotes. Um, The reason why I say in air quotes is something that I will explain in two seconds and I know that there are a lot of people who are afraid to get political and I think I especially see this on Instagram or on, you know, Twitter I mean, less so on Twitter, people love speaking their mind on Twitter, but I know that there are people who are afraid to get political. And that is kind of a viewpoint that I understand to a degree, because I know that politics has a reputation of being confusing, controversial, combative, and quite overwhelming sometimes. And rightly so in some facets. I do think, you know, there are certain sections of politics that have to be controversial and that we have to debate really, really thoroughly. But the two topics that we've spoken about so far in this section of the podcast, so racism and the refugee crisis, I do not see as being political, in air quotes. The reason why I use air quotes is because I believe that standing up for policies and politics that you believe in isn't political, um, or (laughs) I guess it is in the purest sense of the word if you wanna come at me like that, Um, but I don't think it should be seen as political. Because things like fighting for a world without racism, or a world in which people have an adequate standard of living, are just basic initiatives and rights that any person wanting to live in a more just world would want to fight for. And you know, while there may be economic issues or systemic issues at play in terms of actually implementing the goals of both these two topics, for example, and you know, these kind of logistical things that are not something that we're going to get into today, but I do believe that racial equality, for example, regardless of whether it is something that is achievable in this lifetime or not, I do believe that this is something that we should be fighting for. I do know that there are a lot of different political groups and a lot of different people who demonize refugees and asylum seekers, Um, but I mean, and perhaps this is a very simple way of looking at it. I think to demonize people who want adequate services like that for their families, I think to do that is unfair. I'm not trying to push some sort of political agenda or whatever you might believe. I'm not a politician. The only message I'm trying to convey is that I believe having access to an adequate way of life, not even just a good way of life, but an adequate way of life, is something that I believe everyone should have and if there are services and charities and organizations in place that can help achieve that, I am I too am going to help fight for that. And so again, I think politics, understandably, is very confusing and very controversial. And even as someone who is considered political, I too sometimes get confused by politics. Um, but I think fighting for basic human rights and a place of safety shouldn't be seen as political. Um, As of 2020, Solidarity are supporting six legal aid NGOs, so non-government organizations, working in four different locations. So you can find all of their information and all of the information about the organization at solidarity.org.uk or at Solidarity, remember with the T-E-E at the end, um, on Instagram. And the founder, Tiara, was able to give a TED talk on the organization, and it's a really, really great speech. So I'd really recommend you go check that out on YouTube. And even if you are unable to purchase anything from Solidarity, there are other ways that you can support the organization, even if it is just by sharing information by word of mouth. I think as students, we can often feel quite powerless in the world, especially given, especially if you know you're a student who's just graduating or just about to graduate, and the world is so turbulent with how it is currently. And I think to hear about organizations like this, that students have put their time and effort into, and seeing the fruits of their labor, is something that is really motivational, really inspiring, and also really comforting. Um, so Not that my congratulatory messages mean anything, but hats off to Solidarity, they're doing really, really great stuff, and I'm excited to see more t-shirts that they produce, because if I am able to help people and also look good at the same time, I don't think that there is an issue with that. This is Jess's track of the week! Okay, finally for my track of the week, a cross collaboration between an English artist and a French artist or a Belgian artist specifically, but she speaks French. In case anybody's wondering if my voice sounds different at different parts is because the way that I record this podcast is I record it in sections um, so that it's kind of like the most natural it can be, and then it feels like I'm having a conversation with everybody, and it feels like I'm having kind of a continuous conversation with you. So, like, as if you're my friend and I'm seeing you a couple times a week, and we're just kind of revisiting topics and like talking about different things. That's kind of how I want the podcast to be. Um, if I sound like I'm slightly ill, it's because I am. I know, don't get too excited about it. Even the great fall from grace sometimes. Um, no, I'm slightly ill. I fine it's not rona um i just haven't been sleeping much i have deadlines and that is why i might sound like i'm low-key dying but i'm also high-key trying not to die anyway so i thought i would talk about this collaboration because one the song is just great it is such a cool upbeat song i think cool is a really great word to describe it so Essentially, the song is called Fever. It's by Dua Lipa, who I'm sure everyone knows from Don't Start Now, Physical, Levitating, from her album, Future Nostalgia, which is a really great album as well. So it's a collaboration between Dua Lipa and Angèle. I'm not being a dickhead, I speak French. Um, That's why I pronounced her name that way. Angèle is a Belgian singer. She um, has had some great hits. If you're interested in songs that she has done that I would really recommend, um, we have Tarenne, God, I literally sound like I'm just being a dickhead now. I do speak French, I promise. Fever, obviously the most recent release, is something that I would advocate for. Um, She also has a song called Balance Ton Quoi, or if I'm going to say it in like an English accent, Balance Ton Quoi. Um, (laughs) It's basically about um, femininity and feminism and the kind of double standards that women face in society. And I think the music video for that is really cool and is a really whimsical exploration of the power dynamics within men between men and women or people who kind of identify as male and female um she also has I literally sound like I am trying to be an asshole but like I promise that French is my second language like I speak it completely fluently I've been speaking it since I was four um I just feel like if I just randomly go into it without an explanation I sound like one of those people who was like Oh, when I was in Paris on my year abroad, we did this, like when nobody asked them about it. Um, so, the songs that Angèle does that are really good are um, La Tune, which is like money, Taren," which means your queen. And she did a version of this on the Colors YouTube channel, which is great as well. I'd recommend that completely. And I think the final thing I'd recommend from her is probably the 2018 album Brol, Brawl. Um, if you wanna say it with an English accent, is really, really good. It is just hit after hit, bop after bop, and her brother is actually one of the most famous Belgian rappers in the world, and together they're kind of like the royalty of belgian music i'd say um i say that as someone who lived in belgium before in terms of the song the reason why this is my track of the week besides the fact that it just sounds really good is i love cross-collaboration music between different languages not only is it a song that has two powerful women who have talked about feminism and about female empowerment before, but also the fact that Angèle does not have to sing completely, in, completely in English is a really great feat of the song that I am loving seeing in more mainstream music. So we've already seen a lot of these collaborations with Blackpink and Lady Gaga, um, BTS and Lauv, or BTS and Steve Aoki. Um, my BTS discography is very long. We have gradually kind of seen this happen more and more with um, the music that we're listening to nowadays. kind of before 2020 and I guess before you know technology was such a huge impact on the way that the music industry ran there would be a lot of collaboration but all of these collaborations would be between two English singers not that there's anything wrong with that you know Sam Smith and Romani or Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce my Megan discography is also very long um you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and, you know, those collaborations can also have a huge political and societal in societal influence. But, you know, it is really nice to see that the normativity of English and the kind of the way in which a lot of artists around the world had to adapt themselves to fit in with English, the English music industry. When I say English, I don't mean like British, I mean like in English, the way that we've seen artists have to do that in the past it doesn't account for all of the diversity and and all of the special aspects of certain artists that make them great. So I think it's unfair that just because they can't speak in English, for example, it doesn't mean that we can't appreciate their art or their lyrics or the way that they rhyme and rap really fast, things like that. And even, you know, I mentioned lyrics, but I don't think that a song's message is necessarily just conveyed through the lyrics obviously that is a huge part but I think things like translation that you you know see now we have genius translation services genius as in the lyric website and they translate songs from different um musical genres i think the messages of songs that are written in spanish for example i think they can be really easily understood because we have these great translation services but also because i think you know in a non-cheesy way music is a very universal language we all go through a lot of the same emotions and feelings and additionally sometimes the way that someone expresses it in spanish the way that that is translated can be a more apt representation of the way that we feel i'm very much for pushing more multicultural and multilingual collaborations and that's something that I love seeing. I think it also is able to push the music industry in a more progressive direction and I think it encourages people to also look outside their own world. So my track of the week is Angèle and Jua Lipa with Fever and I hope you like the song as much as I do. episode two thank you so much if you made it to the end again if you have can you tell me why so I know what I'm doing right um that would be very helpful for me because this is my first time creating a podcast and I'd like to if I'm gonna do it I'd like to do it right that's an innuendo I'm sure um anyway I hope you all stay safe I hope you all try and be as positive and as okay as you can be given the current circumstances and if you're not i hope that you are kinder to yourselves and that you're nicer to yourselves so that so that you can come out the other side strong thank you again and hopefully i will see you or speak to you in our third episode remember to stream the newest bts album that is coming out on friday november the 20th um because if you're not going to listen to me you may as well listen to some magic Okay, I think that's it. Bye.